Well, it's nice to be up here hearing the music from downstairs because usually it's me causing the chaos downstairs and someone has to run down and say, turn the bass down. I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, so yes, as Graham said, I work here at the Oak Church as a children and families worker. Um, but I am a wife to Will, I'm a mum to Jack, Olivia and Jess, and I like to think of myself as a bit of a full-time adventurer. And not just overseas adventures, although we do love going out to India and you know, living there some of the time, but I just think life is a big adventure. Um, so yeah. So we've spent a lot of time in India, but the last two years we found ourselves home, and I think the last two years have been some of the biggest areas of growth for me. So it's just been really incredible to um, go on a deeper level with Jesus. So, so I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, so why are we called to evangelize? That's what the question that we are going to try and tackle today. And hopefully it will be a bit inspiring, a little bit challenging. Um, but my prayer for you guys is that, you know, God will just nudge your heart. Um, I don't know what areas he's going to nudge, but he'll nudge your heart as you listen. So yeah, I'm praying for that. So today we're thinking the overall theme is light. And Lucy actually means light, which I found out the other day. Um, So light is a key theme throughout the Bible. From the beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1, 3, I'm sure we all know it, let there be light, to the end of Revelation, where it says, and I love this passage, there shall be no more night, and they will not need lamps or sunlight, because the Lord God will be their light. Light communicates significant things about God, salvation, and his people. So we're going to try and answer that question, why are we called to evangelize, by looking at three things. And I'm not usually one for structure, but I thought I'd put some in for you guys and for Jack to make him chill out a bit. So we're going to look at ourselves, our neighbours, and our world. Ourselves, we have a light. Our neighbours, our light will make a difference. And our world, there is darkness. So the passage we're going to use as a bit of a tool today, just to kind of hang it all off, is Matthew 5. So if you want to turn to Matthew 5 now... Um, it's always great to, to read it along as well. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, do that. So Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So can I tell you a story from one of my first ever trips to India? We were sitting around a table and in a very dirty restaurant, more like a a sturdy shack of a building, and I was 13 years old. We'd eaten some rice, some dal, and some curry, with our hands, of course, and we were just enjoying each other's company and chatting. It was dark outside, but there was some sort of like hanging light that was connected to some dodgy mains, like supply outside that didn't look very good. But everything was good, until we experienced a power cut. So everything was suddenly plunged into darkness. 
Now, these are normal things. Power cuts happen all the time when you're living in India or some parts of India. However, with the power off, the restaurant was plunged into darkness. And we were waiting for someone to light a candle or, you know, this is going back 20 years. Um, we didn't have torches on our mobiles or even mobiles, I don't think. Um, and in the dark, we started to hear noises, scuttling noises on the floor and the table that we'd just been eating on. The lack of light had given permission for the cockroaches that were surrounding us to start to crawl out and just roam around. And I will never forget that sound. I will never forget the chill down my spine. And when the owner of the restaurant rushed back, fumbling through the dark, he lit a candle and placed it in the middle of the table. And we could see all the creatures. I mean, people were catching them in glasses. It was horrible. Uh, and I'm sure you can imagine the chaos of the next few moments once that light had been placed in the middle. But the light from the candle, it exposed the insects. And before long, they'd scuttled away again, back to their hiding places. So let me pray for us before we, well, as we start. God, we thank you that you bring light. We thank you that you light up the darkness in our lives. I pray today we will come away with a, a fresh revelation of what it means to be full of your light in this world. Amen. So why are we called to evangelize? Well, before we even get into our three points, we have to talk, the teacher and me, about that word, why. So let's think about the word, why. Well, Simon Sinek is a fantastic leadership guru, and he talks a lot about the why. He came up with a really simple idea. You can see it behind, the golden circle. Why, how, and what? And most people don't work from the middle out, they work from the outside in. They know what they're doing, they know how they're doing it, but we don't always stop to think about the why. And on a Tuesday night, I go to Body Pump, and, uh, which is basically loads of ladies jumping around a strobe lit room, being shouted at by someone. And if I asked lots of you in this room what kind of exercise you get up to or you do, I think the what would be really different for all of you. You may say biking, running, weights in your bedroom, home workouts, swimming, dancing. The what's quite easy. Okay, the list could go on. And the how, I'm sure the how would be quite straightforward too. Going to the gym three times a week, getting on the bike in my office at the back of my garden whilst on my lunch break, I'm sure we all know who that is. Meeting up with a friend and running regularly or pushing the double buggy around for hours and hours on end. But the why, I bet we'd all have different reasons for getting our bodies moving. Maybe wanting to be fit and healthy, wanting to avoid disease. My doctor told me to. Um, I want my kids to look up to me. If we know why we're exercising, it's motivating and it will keep us going for longer. The why gives the purpose. And if we know why we are called to evangelize, it will have the same effect. The why drives the how and the what. So let's put this model, if you'll allow me to, into our context talking about evangelism. Perhaps we can think of some of the things that go on at the Oak or in our personal lives. So the what, it's nice and easy, isn't it? Being a good neighbor, listening to someone who's upset, maybe inviting someone to Coffee and Chaos or Connect Cafe. Maybe what is the Sunday gatherings? Maybe meeting at the park or conversations at the playground. 
The how, yeah, we can do that. It might be making time for people, letting your kids play together, building relationships, eating food together, cooking for someone on a meal train. But the why, I wonder how often do we think of the why, of the why do we evangelize? Why do we tell people about Jesus and show his love to others in us? So why do we want to invite people into this building on a Sunday or a Monday or any other day of the week? Why do we want to be a good neighbor? Why do we sign up for another meal train even when the last person hasn't brought back your favorite pasta dish yet? Sorry, Emma Manchester, that's always me. <laughs> Why are you here today? So for me, it's all about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and was raised we know that, but why? Why did he do it? Jesus set us free. We sing it, hallelujah. But free from what? Why did he set us free? Jesus paid the price for us, but why? So why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, let me tell you, Jesus came so we could have relationship with the Father, with God. Not just today or tomorrow, or next year, but for all time. So when we die, we will not be separated from God. And I just want to read from Acts 13, and um, Paul speaking, it's verse 38. Um, and you know, it could be argued he's one of the best evangelists out there. So therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. We don't like talking about hell, but the Bible is clear. If we don't know Jesus, and if we haven't accepted that incredible invitation that he extends to us, we will spend eternity separated from God. Now, just imagine what that might be like. We get loads of references in the Bible, gnashing of teeth, weeping, fire, torment, cockroaches, maybe? <laughs> it makes us uncomfortable to talk about it, I get it. But this is why Jesus died for us. So we could be clothed in righteousness, not because we deserve it, not because we can ever earn it, not because we're good enough, but because Jesus is perfect. He deserves it, and he is good enough, and he chose us. He chose to die to take on all the bad stuff, so we're not separated from God. Isn't that something worth sharing? So I know I'm getting carried away, but it is all in the notes. Um, but I think it's really important for us, to for us to understand that bit of stuff before we go any further. But let's dive into our first point. So why do we evangelize? Why do we share the love of Jesus? Well, we're going to look at ourselves. We have a light. We have a light. It's Jesus. Jesus starts by saying in the passage in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Me, you, all those who follow Jesus that are on a mission with him, we have a light. You are the light of the world. But it's important to notice that Jesus also says this about himself in John 8, verse 12. I'll just read that. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Through Jesus, our lives are changed. His light comes in us. It's not about us having it and doing it. His light comes in us and with us and we shine. But we have to accept that light, acknowledge it and follow him. And so in Luke 9, verse 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Imagine that scene with the cockroaches. When the owner put the candle in the middle of the table, it changed things. It had an impact on the situation. Having Jesus at the center of our lives has the same effect. We don't have to live in the dark. We have another way. And this is something we can totally miss. And some of us, and sometimes we can walk through a whole lifetime not fully understanding that we have the light of God within us. When I lived at home, um, as a kid, I would wake up each morning and I was usually the first one to get up and I'd run downstairs and every morning my dad would be sat with two cups of tea. One for him, one for God. And um, he was hoping one day that God would drink his cup of tea, but he, he hasn't done that yet. Um, but he sat, sits and, and he would sit and I'd think, what's dad doing? And we'd have a chat and, and he, you know, he would tell me about how important it is to start every day with Jesus to start every day focusing on him. And I want us to think about in the ourselves bit, we have a light, about our personal relationship with Jesus. To think about the light that we have. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And we have to listen to that. I wonder how bright you feel today. Do you feel like a small candle that if moved, the air would snuff you out, you know, when you're walking with a birthday cake and you can't get to the person because you have to keep relighting it again. Maybe you feel like a torch with a dodgy connection that sometimes you're on and then sometimes you're off and then you're back on again. Or maybe you feel like a burning, blazing fire and, um, and that's amazing. But regardless of how we feel or the circumstances we're in, we need to listen to what Jesus says. You are the light Every Thursday, me and Will go for a walk while the kids are at gymnastics. Uh, we take it in turns with Jess strapped to our chest. And um, we have a chat about the week. It's our like, only bit of time together. Not only bit, but you know. Um, and we just talk. And some weeks we're like both elated and life's amazing and look at what God's doing and it's incredible. And then other times we're like depressed and everything's awful and what happened there. And then some weeks it'll be Will's happy, I'm not, and other way around. You know, our feelings can be fickle. They change weekly. You know, on our walk, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, last week we were saying this and we're saying the complete opposite now. Are we overly dependent on our feelings? Because it can be dangerous to rely on our feelings. Sometimes we have to set aside our feelings and stand on God's word. He's consistent, never changing, and always good. Now, while holding that, that he's consistent, never changing, and always good, let me share some of the sadness that we experienced last year. So before Jessica, um, I had a miscarriage, and it's, a, it's a, such a sad thing that many families have to go through. And there were just times when we didn't know if this little life was going to make it or not. And, you know, I'd be sat up praying and asking God, you know, please, God, and help me. 
And, you know, I think my light on the outside may have looked pretty good, but on the inside, it was really dwindling. Now, we all go through things in our life that are really difficult. And perhaps that's you today. And I, I really want to make room to hold that whilst encouraging you that Jesus says, you are the light of the world. When we spend time with Jesus, when we draw close to him, we start to become more and more like him. You could say our light gets brighter. As we spend time chatting to God, when we read his word, we can't help but respond as the light grows within us. It's all about relationship. Our world is busy, it's crazy, full of different distractions, but when we still our hearts, and when we listen to the, those gentle whispers or the prompts that he gives us, we have a choice whether we obey or not, to step out or not. And this comes from living relationship. And this is the light that I'm talking about with ourselves. And now I'm focusing on us, but why evangelize? Well, we have a light. Yeah, the relationship with Jesus that we have, that is our light. It's not in our own strength. It's that relationship with him. And I want to encourage you today, if you don't have this relationship, or you don't read the Bible, or when you do, it seems stale or uninteresting, please ask somebody, talk to somebody, ask someone to pray with you. I had to. I've had m many wonderful people in this room who've helped me to understand the Bible and therefore deepening my relationship with Jesus. Jesus tells us we are the light of the world. We are designed to be in relationship with him, to receive his love, which changes us, and then display that for all to see. How bright do you feel? Have you received that light? Well, let's keep hot for Jesus because he changes everything. So ourselves, we have a light. Why evangelize? We have a light. Have we got the first point? We have a light? We have a light? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's look at our neighbors. Why are we called to evangelize? Well, because our light will make a difference. Our light, the light of Jesus, will make a difference. Let's go back to scripture, Matthew 5. I'll just read it all again. So 40, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, this is the bit for this bit, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And if I gave you a million pounds and, I, and said I have an unlimited stash of money for you, what would you do? Would you run, dig a hole, put it in, cover it up? Or would you pass some out and come back and get more? Pass some out, come back and get more. Sharing to all those who need it. Well, we have something that's way better than money. We have the love, the peace, and the joy of relationship with Jesus. And the promise of eternal life with God. If our lives have been transformed, why would we not want to share that and show others, inviting them to receive from that same unlimited fund? We have to put our light up on a stand for all to see. So communities are changed, so our friends get the chance to have this light. So going back to the situation with the cockroaches, if the owner of the restaurant had come back with his candle and put it underneath the table, the situation would have been totally different. 
The, the table wouldn't have been lit up. The area wouldn't have been lit up. Only part of it would have been, you know, exposed. But he didn't. He brought his light and put it in the middle of the table. And light exposes things. And we can position our light, ourselves, and trust that the Holy Spirit will use it. Imagine we are that candle, that flame in a dark room. Where are we right now? Where are we positioned? Are we under the table? Are we on the table? Are we lifted high? So I'm just going to quickly go into a little bit of history here. So um, let's look into, yeah. Um, In Jesus' day, lights were pretty different to they are right now. Um, On our street, the kids have these like LED, crazy lit up windows with bright blue and yellow flashing lights. Um, And when I was a kid, my dad used to put our fairy lights all around our bedrooms. But would you like to see the kind of lamp that we're actually talking about, that Jesus is talking about in this passage? And it's going to pop up hopefully on the screen. So meet the oil lamp. The oil lamp was a brilliant little invention, providing clean, safe light throughout the year. The technology involved was really simple. A pottery vessel, a linen wick, a dose of olive oil, and some way to get it started. So what do I mean when I say lifting your light high? What do we mean when we want to lift our light high? Well, it may be stopping to talk to a homeless person or buying them a coffee. It may be listening to someone at the school gate and showing them that you care. It may be to choose to build relationship with somebody who you wouldn't usually. Send a verse in a card to a struggling friend or offering to pray for somebody who has a need or just to pray behind the scenes for someone. The list could go on and on. And we've all got different gifts to share. So lifting your light or... um, yeah, we'll, we'll look differently for all of us. And doing something that feels authentic to you is really important, to reflect the light of Jesus to others. And we may think evangelism is about using our words to try and convince people about Jesus. But often it doesn't work like that. Importantly, it's about us raising our light or taking our light to a place where it will have impact through our deeds, our actions, and our responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. Francis of Assisi said, and I love this quote, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. We need to be the light in our community through our friendships, through our parenting, through our interactions, because it makes a difference to people's lives. Our light will make a difference to others. So why evangelize? Our light makes a difference to others around us. The light of Jesus through us. Yeah, so Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher of his day, once said, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. The world doesn't read the Bible. The world reads Christians. So when we're thinking about our our neighbours. We are being read all the time. So why evangelise? Our light will make a difference to others. But please don't make the mistake of thinking that I get this right. I get this wrong so many times. Not so long ago, I felt God prompting me to, (laughs) that I needed to go and tell someone that he had healing power. Um, and to proclaim that to somebody and to pray for them. And, you know, all this came while I was on a, out on a jog, um, or a kind of more of a run-walk. 
And um, I passed somebody who, I just had this gut feeling that I needed to say it to. And I was saying, God, I don't want to say this to somebody. This is really embarrassing. But the feeling kept coming back. So I passed someone who I needed to say this to, but I bottled it and I just didn't do it. I was too nervous. So I carried on running. And I said the classic to God, all right, God, if you really want me to say that you've got healing power to somebody, then I'll do it with the next person. You know, I was nearly home as well. And bang, I turned the corner and there is a woman crossing the road and I just knew that I needed to go and say that to her. So I thought, right, okay, I'm nearly home, I can do this. So I stopped jogging and I said, hello, <laughs> this might sound strange, but I'm a Christian and I just need to tell you that God's got healing power. Is there anything that you want prayer for? Have you got any pain anywhere? And she said, yes, yes, I do. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, right, let's go. So um, I got her name and she told me where she was in pain and I prayed for her there and then on the spot. And suddenly, all my confidence just went. And without finding out if she'd been healed or if her pain on a score of one to 10 got better or decreased, I just shouted, God bless and ran off. (laughs) You know, I don't know. Is that me lifting my light on a stand? Does that count? I don't know. But I prayed for a neighbor. I tried. I tried to follow what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And who knows what, you know, the Holy Spirit did with that lady. Maybe she was healed. Maybe nothing changed for her. Um, But what is for sure is that that day, I didn't hide my light under a bed, a bowl, or anything else. I had tried and attempted to lift it up. And I certainly, for this point, our neighbors and our light will make a difference. Don't want you to think you have to strive or do, do, do. When Jesus was, you know, walking the earth, and back in those days with the oil lamp, um, it just, people just, it made sense to lift them higher so more light would spread throughout the room. And it's the same with us. God just asks us to lift the bit of light that we've got and just the bit that we've got and just to lift it a bit higher so it's elevated and it will cast out more of the darkness. We don't need to feel responsible for making anyone look at our light or you know, wonder what that is. We just have to pop it on the stand faithfully. So why are we called to evangelize? Well, because our light will make a difference and will impact those around us. And the third and final point, our world. There is darkness all around us. And there's so much in this point I could say, but I don't have enough time for that, so forgive me if it's brief. The world is desperately in need of light. I'll just read from 1 John, it's not in the slides. Um, 1 John 1, verse 5 to 6. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There is darkness in this world, guys. We only have to look at the news to see war, increasing poverty, climate change, homelessness, addictions, The list can go on. And living in India, we um, felt and saw all kinds of darkness. We saw children die needlessly because um, they were of a lower caste, and so the doctors wouldn't treat them. Darkness. We helped rescue children who'd just disappeared and been taken to work as a slave for a wedding with no guardian to keep them safe. Darkness. And working with refugees in this city, And we've heard stories of people telling us where the Taliban just came and took their house overnight and they had to flee. 
darkness. A lady sat downstairs in one of our come and cook sessions and she told us of how in her country they wanted to behead her and so she had to escape and she's 80 years old. Darkness. And I don't want you to think that I'm saying that there's darkness elsewhere and there's not, not darkness here. Darkness is all around us. Um, there is darkness, but us, the church, is a great source of light. We can put our lights together and make change in this world for God's glory. Maybe you're walking through a particular dark season right now, but you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. We must listen to this in relation to our world. Why do we evangelize? Why do we point people towards Jesus? Well, without Jesus, they're lost souls. Without Jesus, they are going to be spending eternity separated from God. Let's have kingdom eyes. Let's look for lost souls and look for opportunities to point people towards Jesus. So that's pretty much it from me, but I just want to recap. Why do we evangelize? Well, ourselves, we have a light. Our neighbors, our light will make a difference. And the world, there is darkness all around us. And the world is in need of a savior. Thank you.